Coming up on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast, interesting perspective from another Sark Fighter. And then wow. the chest results came back and there were seven granulomas in my left lung. Laura Ward suffered flare after flare and the Sark just kept on coming. My husband and I went to a ball game at Yankee Stadium. We were walking up to our seats and I just couldn't breathe. And I was like, this is kind of weird. That interview is coming up. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 70 of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. I do this podcast to offer fellow Sark fighters hope and to help you connect with other Sark patients to hear their stories and understand how sarcoidosis affects their lives. And hopefully that helps you understand what you are up against and what you need to overcome, whether it is the disease or the effects of the medicine or both. But of course, whenever possible, I shine a light on the latest research to let you know what's going on that might make your life better. Maybe there's a new drug that is coming out or coming out soon, and or maybe there's a better doctor. Uh, whatever that is, we try to shine a light on it here on the Sark Fighter podcast. And I can tell you that the news is brighter than ever as there are more potential sarcoidosis-specific drugs in development now than at any point in the past, in fact, over the past year, with generous support from the community, FSR has made incredible progress in efforts to accelerate sarcoidosis research and to deliver responsive patient support programming. And so I want to tell you about spotlighting sarcoidosis to hashtag make it visible, FSR's 2022 update which provides an inside look at the incredible progress that's been made in the last year, as well as upcoming initiatives in the sarcoidosis world. And so I would direct you to visit the FSR website and read that update and learn how your support can help stop sarcoidosis. And there are many ways that, that you can lend that support, and there will be a link to that Make It Visible update from FSR uh, 2022 Spotlighting Sarcoidosis Make It Visible campaign. I w that's on their website, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Now, you may want to listen to the previous episode of the FSR Sark Fighter podcast because that's where KineVent detailed their current efforts, which so far are looking quite promising. KineVent working on a drug called Namilumab. And if all goes well, you'll be hearing a lot about it in the coming months and hopefully longer. And they are actually recruiting now for a clinical trial. And that may be something you're interested in participating in. So if you want to go back and listen to episode 69 and you're looking for a dose of hope, uh, all of the information is right there from my interview with the folks at KineVent. And then uh, I do want to invite you to become a leader in the sarcoidosis community by sharing your story because FSR is now seeking dynamic and dedicated individuals who I think would be uh, most of the people who listen to this podcast who are impacted by SARC because they want to 
ask you to, if you think you're up for it, to work alongside the newly launched FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance. And volunteers can now apply to become community outreach leaders who will then share their sarcoidosis story with the public to empower others and raise awareness or apply to be a support group leader who would then facilitate in-person support group meetings at FSR Global Sarcoidosis Clinic Alliance member locations. And there are applications which are due September 30th of 2022. And you can learn more by visiting the FSR website. And I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Now, on a personal note, and I like to share some of these occasionally, um, man, I had a weekend that I will never forget. If you're a regular listener, you know that one of the ways that I battle sarcoidosis is by staying healthy and that uh, I am a regular bike rider. I maintain my fitness that way. I was once a marathon runner, but because of complications from sarcoidosis, I can't run anymore, but I can ride my bike. And I had an opportunity this weekend to ride with three-time Olympic gold medalist Kristen Armstrong. And let me tell you, that was a treat. Uh, I'm on the board of directors here locally for Visit Virginia's Blue Ridge, which is the Tourism and Convention Bureau. And our job is to get people to come to Roanoke and to to enjoy their time here and basically to promote tourism in the region. And one of the things we're doing is we're promoting the outdoor brand for Roanoke, which is nestled in the mountains here of southwest Virginia. We are a small city, but the Blue Ridge Parkway passes through here. We literally have hundreds of miles of bicycling trails and lots and lots of rural roads, uh, which the scenery is just gorgeous. And it's a great place to, to ride a bike or to come with your kayak or whatever. I'm getting on my tourism uh, <laughs> podium uh, right now. Uh, but but that's not my point. My point is is that Kristen was here to speak at the annual dinner for Visit VBR, of which I was the MC, and I'm also doing a story for Channel 10, where I'm the news anchor here locally for the NBC affiliate. And so we made arrangements for me to go out and do some filming with Kristen, and we got to I got to interview her, of course, but I also got to ride my bike with her as part of that filming. And it was just really a treat. She won gold medals in three separate Olympics uh, as a cyclist and is still uh, an amazing cyclist and an amazing person. And you talk about people with type A personality. She describes herself as a type AAA. And I say this because I just posted a picture of Kristen and myself on my Sark Fighter Instagram account. And I always post something going on with my life or my family. Um, And I always post keep fighting because that's the reason we keep fighting is so that we can live a meaningful life. And for me, that's most of the time family. I post a lot of pictures with my grandkids or my wife or my my three grown sons. Um, but, uh, but But I did just post a picture with Kristen. And if you'd like to take a look at it, then just go follow um, Sark Fighter, the Sark Fighter, with the word the in front of it, 
on Instagram, and you'll see the logo from this podcast there as my, maybe I should change it to a picture, but right now it's the logo. And you can see the picture of, of Kristen and me, and it's just it was just a really neat thing. Now, uh, also on a personal note, two episodes ago, I shared with you some of the thoughts of a man, an acquaintance who was dying of cancer, and he had been posting online some of his thoughts because it was one of those he walked in to the doctor's office with a pain in his side, thought it was something, you know, I I don't know what he thought it was, but something that was fixable. And he walked out with a diagnosis of you only have six weeks to live. And um, he was very coherent there in the very early part of that. Um, And I thought his felt his thoughts were especially poignant because he was such a deep thinker. He was extremely smart and became extremely philosophical during those days. And one of my takeaways was the value of living your days according to what you plan to do, which seems like such a gift when all of a sudden that's taken away because you don't have the strength or because there are more pressing matters such as medical care. And I I, I shared that with you because I know that a lot of people with sarcoidosis don't have the energy even to get off the couch anymore. And so living our days according to our plans is is really such a gift. I got up this morning and knew I would be working on this podcast and knew I'd be going to work. And and if the weather holds, maybe I'll go for a bike ride later. Um, And so you don't think of that as a gift, but when it's taken away, something that fundamental really is. And I also shared this particular person's thoughts because um, I know from published accounts and, and personal interaction that he, he literally had made more money than you or I could ever spend in two lifetimes by being a successful entrepreneur who ultimately sold his company to a corporate giant and then retired to spend his days enjoying life. And he was a family man. He was a good guy. And if you go back, you'll hear me talk a little bit more about it. Um, So go back and listen to a couple of episodes ago. But um, I have to share with you that uh, that he passed away last week. So so his life has come to an end, but uh, his words and his thoughts will, will stay with me forever. And hopefully, maybe with you, because uh, we, we shared some of those thoughts here on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. All right. But coming up today, a true story of hope. I'll be talking with Sark Fighter Laura Ward from Connecticut. She has had Sark for about three years now. She had a terrible reaction to prednisone. Oh, my. How surprising is that, right? <laughs> he said with sarcasm. But they actually had to take her off of it. Um, She's also a mother of two teenagers. She is a wife and works professionally in the public relations trade. And she tries to walk 100 miles a month, if you can imagine. But she eats right. For her, the fatigue is real. Her life has had to change a little bit. And she's had that journey that many of you will relate to through multiple doctors and multiple diagnoses. Uh, and then being diagnosed right before the pandemic. And all of that plays into her story. And so Laura Ward will be sharing her story, and I think you'll really enjoy it, coming up here next on the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. I feel like a zombie. 
Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Sark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now from Connecticut, Avon, Connecticut, is Laura Ward, a fellow Sark Fighter. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. So you've been dealing with sarcoidosis for how long? Just three years. I was diagnosed three years ago last week. All right. Well, uh, welcome to the party, so to speak. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, and you, you you have sent me some information and we've chatted a little bit, so I know a little bit about your background. But um, first of all, why don't we just start out by you telling everybody how you knew something was wrong? Sure. And it's it's an interesting story, but one that I realize is possibly not that uncommon because I've heard others describe their journey similarly. Um, in June 2019, I was sick with what I thought was kind of a late season flu and didn't really think much of it. I got better except for this cough that kept lingering. My husband and I went to a ball game at Yankee Stadium. Our kids were both at sleepaway camp, so we took a day off and we were walking up to our seats and I just couldn't breathe. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Well, I was sick, so maybe I'm just I'm just not better enough yet. And by the end of the month in June, my legs, both of them, from about the knees down into my toes, just blew up. They were so swollen. Hmm. And nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Had no idea what it was. I had been in a place where I'd gotten a tick bite on on June 30th, actually. And the, the swelling, I remember I noticed on July 1st, this was all kind of unfolding right. over the 4th and, of July weekend. You were in Connecticut, which is like ground zero for Lyme disease. Yes. With ticks, yes. right? Okay. And that was that was the initial thinking when I went to the urgent care. I did have a tick bite and I had all this swelling. So they ran all the blood tests for Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses and put me on doxycycline, which is what you do if you suspect someone has Lyme disease. And we just kind of waited for all the blood work to come back. And I have a good friend who is an advanced practice registered nurse. And it was the, as I said, the 4th of July weekend, and I'm watching the blood tests pop into my little online patient portal and looking at all these things. I have no idea what any of it means other than the fact that all the tick stuff was coming back negative. So no Lyme, um, which apparently doesn't show up right away. Anyway, it takes some time to show up from what I understand. Yeah. And you didn't have the and bullseye rash or any of the other stuff, right? I had a little Lyme. ring, but not a true bullseye. Yeah. Okay. So just, it was very faint. Um, and, and faded quickly, faded very, very quickly. 
So I texted my my friend and I, I said, she knew a little bit about what was going on. And I, I said, can you look at all this blood stuff for me and tell me what's going on? And everything, she's like, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. And then there was one called the D-dimer, which was elevated. <clears throat> and the D-dimer, elevated D-dimer can indicate the presence of blood clots somewhere in your body. And she said, go to the ER right now. So we did. And they were running all of the tests. Um, I had ultrasounds of both legs to look for blood clots. And the one thing they kept saying is a blood clot isn't going to give you symmetrical swelling on both sides. It's going to affect one side or another, most likely. Wherever the clot is. Wherever it is. Right. Okay. Um, and they did a chest x-ray and, or actually I think it was a chest CT, um, or it may have even been both. I mean, they were running tons of, of tests. tests. Yeah. And before the results even came back, one of the physicians on duty in the ER came in and, and talked to me and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a thin individual. Um, I've always carried around some extra weight. I've yo-yoed over the years with diets and, and whatnot. Um, and so I was definitely not at my thinnest at this moment in time. And he came in and he said to me, well, you know, women of a certain age who live a sedentary lifestyle, which was just like a knife to the heart because I walk a lot. Mm-hmm. I may be, I may be not the most skinny person there is, but I do, I do walk quite a bit. Women of a certain age who live a sedentary lifestyle sometimes get this type of swelling in their legs and you just need to go to CVS and buy some compression stockings, he told me. And then the chest results came back and there were seven granulomas in my left lung. And that doctor never came back into the room. His assistant (laughs) referred me to infectious disease, which I thought was interesting because I didn't understand anything about what was going on. Infectious and so they, disease, okay. They discharged me and told me to follow up with infectious disease. And so, of course, I go home and what do I do, Dr. Google, right? What right. is this? I have all the results in my patient portal. I know all the words. I can look them up. So I started trying to figure out what all of this meant. And I looked at my husband and I said, I don't think I need to go to infectious disease. I think I should go to a pulmonologist. It's in my lungs. Granulomas in your lungs, <laughs> duh. Okay. So, um, so I started doing some research, and you know, was thinking potentially cancer. You know, maybe I need to find a pulmonologist who is at one of the facilities in our area that's really strong in terms of lung cancer. And I was asking friends, asking my friend who's the nurse and gosh, this was, so this was early July and people weren't seeing new patients until November, December. And then my, my nurse friend said, call this guy, pulmonologist, pulmonologist she knew and, and worked with, and he got me in right away and he wanted to do a PET scan and he also sent me to meet with a cardiothoracic surgeon who could do a lung biopsy. And so it took forever to get approvals from insurance on the PET scan. Once we had it done, it was, as he said, it lit up like Christmas, um, mm. you know, highly, highly illuminated areas that 
again, would indicate that this was a cancer. And nobody had even said the word sarcoidosis. Right. So I didn't know what that was. And they scheduled me for the biopsy, which was um, by that point, September, very early September 2019. And when I woke up from being under anesthesia for the, the biopsy, the cardiothoracic surgeon looked at me and he said, so it's lymphoma, but it's early and you can totally beat this. You've got this. Lymphoma. And I said, yeah. so I was told right then and there because I mean he'd seen he'd seen the granulomas right so obviously he must know I'm thinking they hadn't tested him Um, yet he just but no by yeah no results back so um so and then my follow-up appointment with the pulmonologist was for five days later and kind of went home and filled in people in my life who need to know need to you know the latest update and started doing more research on cancer centers. Where where do I want to go for my cancer treatment? What am I doing? And I'm just trying to figure out as much as I can figure out before seeing the doctor again. And then I went in and he said, it's not cancer. And I, you know, my, my, my jaw dropped open. Yay, great. It's not cancer. But what's going on? Because I still don't feel great. And I've got these granulomas in my lung. And he said, it's called sarcoidosis. And he kind of gave me a brief rundown on on what it was. And he said, I need to put you on high dose prednisone. And so he he did that he prescribed, I think it was 80 milligrams of prednisone for the next two months. And he ordered uh, blood work every few weeks just to kind of check and see how things were doing. And the prior blood work had also indicated that my vitamin D was very low, that I was vitamin D deficient. And so he advised me to to do a vitamin D supplement as well. So 80 milligrams of prednisone a a day and a vitamin D supplement, and off I went. And, you know, come back for a a follow-up. How did you you like that prednisone? (laughs) oh prednisone and i are not friends at all um the the impact was quick and i i gained 40 pounds in those two months Mm. and i actually developed a rash all over my face which i now understand to be kind of a, a prednisone toxicity um so we prednisone and i do not get along um, I was tapered off the medication after we saw what my my body was doing in response to it and the fact that I actually felt worse on it and it wasn't changing the granulomas. Um, the the swelling in my legs had actually mostly resolved at hmm. that point. So, you know, did have I had sarcoidosis for a long time and, and we just caught a flare at the end of this flu? If it was flu, I was never mm-hmm. tested. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's big question marks around all of that. Why did it present itself when it did? Who knows? Yeah. Um, sounds like sounds like a flare, you know? Yeah. Um, but what was interesting is that, so my my sister, my younger sister is, she is my person. She is my rock. She's, I mean, my husband's fabulous too, but my sister 
it, there's something special between us. Sure. And she was doing a lot of research as well. And she found FSR within a couple of days of me saying the word sarcoidosis. And it just so happened they were having a patient day in Boston. And it was $10 or something. So we hopped in the car and we went up and figured I have to learn all the things, right? Who knows right. what what's going to happen with me? Who knows how this disease works? I really just didn't have a clue yet. And got to hear from some folks from the organization, as well as some physicians they'd brought in to talk about different areas of the body, sarcoidosis impacts. And, um, and one of the patients who was actually a board member at the time, I can't remember his name, but he described his journey to diagnosis very similarly to mine. Mm. Um, and I said, Ooh, cool. I'm not alone. This is great. You know, it's, it's always good to not feel alone. Um, and, uh, and then another patient came up to me and saw that I, you know, saw my scar from my biopsy surgery. And she said, don't worry, it's going to fade really quickly and, and nobody will be able to see it. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't really care about the scar. I need yeah. to figure out what this disease might do to my body and what's happening on the inside that I can't see. Right. Um, so one of the doctors who was there was from um, the Boston, the Boston Sarcoidosis Clinic. I can't remember the exact name of it. And I thought, you know what? He knows more about this than my pulmonologist. I think I better make an appointment to go see him and just figure some of this stuff out. Mm hmm. And so by the time I was able to, to get to that appointment, I was, you know, fully weight gained from my, my prednisone, um, looking really huge and <laughs> went to meet with him and he, he reviewed all of my stuff. And, um, it was interesting because he told me, you know what, this is going to go into remission all by itself. You really don't have to worry about a thing. Mm hmm. And what you need to do is drop this weight and you should probably go have a breast breast reduction. And I was like, okay, that's kind of an interesting comment. That is an interesting <laughs> comment. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, hmm, all right. Um, and he said, you can follow up with me or you can follow up with the pulmonologist you've been seeing at home. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll figure that out. I'm not going to make a decision about that right now. It's just kind of, my head oh. was spinning. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I left that appointment and continued working with my pulmonologist. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Okay. Right. Cause this was yeah. right. This is like November, 2019 and then March, 2020 COVID and my pulmonologist actually stopped seeing patients in person. Right. And video visits are great. I think video, you know, there's, we've learned so much, right? Especially right. through yeah. the pandemic about how useful these electronic <laughs> video calls can be. Sure. But for me, not knowing what was going on with my lungs was really important to, you know, have somebody listening to my breathing, knowing you can't do that in a video call. Right. And I thought, well, I need to find somebody who's still going to be seeing patients because I I need this for my peace of mind right now. This is all still so new to me. Right. And how, how are you feeling at this point? So the pandemic is hitting. You've been diagnosed. You're on the prednisone, what, 80 milligrams, which is 
That's what I took. And that, that's about the, the highest I've heard anybody on the podcast describe. So how are you feeling? You're like just your walking around self at this point. My walking around self, I I was running fevers a lot, hmm. not super high ones, but low grade fevers, more days than not, um, very achy, just body aches in my in my joints mostly, um, and not just my legs where the swelling had been, but wrists and elbows and shoulders and hips hmm. and just hmm. very achy, um, super super fatigued. You know, could that have been the stress of all of it maybe yeah no is that sarcoidosis (laughs) that is a big symptom of sarcoidosis the fatigue Um, because your body is fighting it yeah and that's what shows up for me most often not as much anymore um i'm i was actually told in in april that i am in remission um which is super super exciting because because I, well, that's a, another piece of the story, but so um, they took you off prednisone eventually because you had the rash. And so you're having right. this, this reaction to prednisone. So they took you, they took you off of it because it was doing more harm than good. Right. So, yes. so at that point, what happened? Did they put you on something else or what, what happened then? They didn't put me on something else. Um, it was the doctors kind of wanting to just take a wait and see approach. And, um, you know, and, and let time tell us some things. I wasn't getting worse, but I wasn't getting better either. And so that was kind of okay, I guess. Um, and then, as I said, the pandemic, um, and I wasn't able to see my doctor in person. And so <laughs> you'll, you'll love this part. Um, I posted on Facebook, hey, does anyone have a pulmonologist they would recommend? I need to find a new doctor. Um, and, you know, in the comments, people, why, you know, I thought you loved your doctor. I do. My doctor's awesome, but he's not seeing patients right now in person. And I really love somebody to take a listen to my lungs and my heart and convince me that everything's going to be okay. And a friend of mine who um, you and I talked about this before we, we started recording the, the interview, um, but I've been in public relations most of my professional career. And so a friend of mine who is a, a journalist for one of our local affiliates, local television affiliates here, uh, reached out and she said, I'm actually doing a story on this about patients who can't see their doctors because of COVID. Can I interview you? Mm. And I'm I'm used to finding the people to be the spokespeople and talk to the reporters and uh-huh. do all of that. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not usually the one being interviewed. And I said, okay. You know, and we we did it by video <clears throat> and it aired and it was a great piece. And I really just talked about how for me as somebody who's just learning about this disease, needing to have that face to face with my doctors is really important to me and the, the stethoscope on my chest to listen to my lungs and and all of that. And, you know, just how much I wished that it could be different and that for my own peace of mind, I might need to find somebody new. I'm guessing my doctor saw <laughs> the piece that ran because a couple of weeks later, later, I got a letter in the mail saying, you know, best of luck to you with your new doctor. Really? Yes. And I, I didn't thought you were going to say that, that he said, oh, come on in. I'll, I'll make an exception and see. He said, no, best. Was he, 
<laughs> just best of luck. Best of, <laughs> I, I, I hear you're looking for a new doctor. I wish you the very best of luck with your care. A message along those lines. Wow. And I hadn't, I hadn't named him. I didn't say right. anything that it could have. Right. Because you're a PR professional. know who he was. You, 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 know, you know that, right? Yes. I wasn't looking no. to throw anybody under a bus. I was right. just telling my my story because, you know, I thought it was valid. And it's something that a lot of people are having to to deal with or were having to deal with in the beginning of the pandemic. Because, right. Right. I mean, and, and obviously, I have no problem with people making personal decisions about their safety and what they're comfortable with when we're watching what COVID is doing, right? It was all... Mm-hmm still unfolding and you know nothing against him i just needed something different for me right um <clears throat> interesting so, so so you found another doctor so i did i actually and i'm i'm super excited i'm working with um both a cardiologist and a pulmonologist uh at yale so okay. um, and All they right. are they are both fantastic we've been keeping an eye on my heart there's nothing going on with my heart um the, the vitamin D supplementation was interesting, though, because there are two different vitamin D tests that can be run. And my doctor right. had only run one kind. And usually sarcoidos, sarcoidosis patients have the other vitamin D test as well. And I forget the difference between the two of them, but they measure the, the vitamin D in two different ways. And one can show that you have a deficiency, but the other one can show that you are fine. So I was showing as having a deficiency, but I really didn't have a deficiency because sarcoidosis patients can over metabolize vitamin D. So it, I think it shows up as not having enough, if I understand correctly. Yeah. I don't want to give out bad information. (laughs) Yeah. We've, we've done some vitamin D related discussions before, and I still don't completely understand it, but you're right. There are two tests. And, and if you have sarcoidosis, it's that that's the less common test that you need to look at. And, but they weren't, right. right? They weren't looking at that. And so I was supplementing vitamin D, which was actually turning into calcium deposits. And um, I was throwing kidney stones, kidney stones, which I've never had in my life. (laughs) So uh, was that was related to the sarcoidosis or to a vitamin D supplement or I think it was the vitamin D because when I started exploring this and I stopped supplementing, I, I stopped having kidney issues. Okay. All right. But that was really, really interesting. Um, so, you know, I, I pay close attention to that now and, um, it doesn't seem to be something that's impacted by the vitamin D that I get through sunlight, but if I'm at putting extra vitamin D into my body Okay. Um, within a couple of weeks, I will, I'll throw a stone, which is wild. Um, but my kidneys are otherwise fine. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. So, <laughs> so, so let me get, let's, let's get, um, uh, you're looking for the new doctor. You're having trouble with the prednisone. He thinks it's just going to go into remission on its own, which is, that's kind of a bold statement based upon what we know, because some people do and some people don't. And as far as I know, there's no way to tell just by looking at somebody whether it will go into remission. It's a 50-50 shot, really. Um, there's half the people do and half the people don't. I, I didn't. Uh, so so, right. so where, what happened next? So I, um, 
I also started having trouble with my left eye. What's interesting is everything's on the left side of my body. The granulomas are in my left lung. The kidney stones were from my left kidney. And now this trouble with my left eye, flashers, floaters, um, just out of the blue. One morning I was working at my computer and I thought there was something on the computer screen. I called my husband in to take a look because we were both working from home at that point. And, and I was like, what is going on with my computer screen? And he goes, what do you mean? It's fine. And so then I start blinking one eye and the other trying to, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's something going on with my left eye. I can't see. And I was so upset and walked away, went and sat down on the couch, closed my eyes, opened them back up after a few minutes. It was still going on. It's, it's actually happening right now. It's constant. Um, mm. But just all of this, it's, it's almost like I need to wipe my eye, <laughs> um, but there's nothing in it. It's just all these floaty things all the time. Um, And I ended up going into the eye doctor and he said, so he goes, I don't see signs of sarcoidosis in your eye, but that doesn't mean it's not coming because this could be the beginning of it. He said, the good news is usually the brain will retrain itself to not recognize all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that's going on in your eye. That was almost two years ago now my brain has not retrained itself (laughs) i guess my brain isn't isn't good at that but um but it's i i see the eye doctor regularly and and he's always looking for signs of sarcoidosis and he doesn't see it but um i feel like this has got to be somehow related i don't know it's the whole left side thing it's weird (laughs) yeah so i tell you when i when something starts showing up on me the first thing i say is it's sarcoidosis until someone tells me it's not yeah right and because it, there's so many manifestations of sarcoidosis then you don't really know it, it can it can pretty much create any situation that you could think of in your body like they you know they thought you had cancer no it was sarcoidosis and um and and then they gave you the the vitamin D and then you have kidney stones. And and at some point it's all sarcoidosis related, whether it's the treatment or whether it's the disease itself. But so now today, and, and you and I are speaking in September of 2022, you're not taking any medication. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm not taking any medication. We actually thought in April this year that I was going to need to go back on something. Um, I've been getting regular pulmonary function tests and had been doing really well with them. But in April, I didn't do very well on my pulmonary function test. And so in conversation with my pulmonologist, he, he said, you know what, let's get blood work. And he said, when was your last chest CT? And I I said, it was a long time ago. I haven't had one in Mm -hmm. well over a year. He goes, okay, let's do that too. He said, I think, you know, there might be some progression going on here because you're having more trouble breathing. And I had been noticing it on my walks as well. My pace was slower. I'm kind of kind of crazy about my walking pace. I track it on my Apple Watch. And, you know, it's the, uh, my walking pace to me, I think, is a big deal the way a runner's pace is to them. I know that. Because I don't, yes. I don't run, but I really take my walking seriously. Um, and a good month for me is about 100 miles. So, wow. Um, so, we did the the blood work and the chest CT and 
We don't know why my breathing has been not as good as it could be, but the radiology tells us that my lungs look good. Um, the granulomas so have not increased in size and one of them has actually shrunken slightly. But the so, granulomas are still there. They're still there. They're still there, but they're you don't not have huge. More. Okay. And you don't have more of them. <laughs> no, no more. Um, and one, one is getting smaller. The biggest why one. You, why aren't you taking, I mean, why didn't your doctor say, okay, let's go to the next. Cause usually there's a progression. They start out with prednisone. They try to hit it hard. They try to get it under control and you sort of try to maintain it. Uh, the typically the next thing they go to would be methotrexate. Which is what I was thinking I was going to have to start. That's uh, I what can't we were understand talking about. why the doctor didn't tell you to take methotrexate. Did they just feel like, okay, we beat it, we hit it hard with the prednisone and we knocked it out? Um, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks we knocked it out. Um, but I think because it's not it's not impacting my life in a huge enough way mm -hmm. that I'm also, I'm not a medicine person. I'm like, right. give me the right foods. Give me, the, <laughs> give me exercise. Give me enough sleep. Um, it's, it's a lot for me to even take a Tylenol. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right. No, um, I get that. I'm, sh I'm I get sure that. I could be on something if I pushed for it. I don't know that I want to be right, right now. Well, um, I get that. I get that. And you've got... Uh, again, and I, I refer to myself a lot just because, you know, I know my situation and and certain people, like if you've got cardiac sarcoidosis, you cannot afford, and I've got it on my spinal cord, you can't afford to have a flare because every time you have a flare, it is a potentially not just discomfort, but life-changing or, in, you know, in cardiac life-ending situation because, you can't have a heart valve get clogged up with more granulomas or have permanent damage on a heart valve. When you have it in your lungs, you've got a little bit of leeway. And I, you know, it's a little bit, not a lot, but yeah. you don't want your lungs completely clogged up with this stuff. So you can have a little bit of a flare. Uh, on the other hand, if it is in your eye and you have a flare and there's permanent nerve damage, you know, I've had people on the podcast, you know, who've lost vision in the eye. Yeah. So you just, you don't know. And you're, I feel like you're walking on a tightrope right now. I do too. I do too. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, you know, I, I'm a kind of person who used to skip routine medical care, uh, go years without checking in and getting the right tests and getting a physical and, and all of that. Um, this has been a huge wake up call for me and I do not miss a single appointment that's related to, to my sarcoidosis. I do not miss an eye appointment. I do not miss a pulmonologist appointment. I don't miss a cardiologist appointment. Um, and I actually even see my, my primary care for annual physicals, which is something I had not done for a long time. So and I, I check in with myself a lot. I know mm -hmm. how I feel. Um, and I actually am feeling better than I have felt in years right now. So yes, the tightrope, but also 
wow, this is great. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do the things that I need to be doing professionally and personally and making sure I'm keeping up with my walking and trying to eat good food and not have too much ice cream and, <laughs> um, you know, and, and kind of a food is medicine approach, you know, healing from the, the inside out and just doing good things for myself. And if I don't have to go the medication route, I definitely don't want to, um, you know, maybe there's a little trauma in there from that prednisone experience. I don't know. <laughs> You're listening to the FSR Sark Fighter podcast. And today we're talking with Laura Ward, who joins us from Connecticut. And she is talking about her battle with sarcoidosis. And Laura, uh, we I'd want to know a little bit more about you. We've learned that you've practiced public relations professionally, but you are a mother, correct? Yes, I am. I have an 18-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter. Okay. And your son's in college? He just started his freshman year of college. That's exciting, yeah. right? It's super exciting. It's super exciting. He was so ready for this next phase of his journey. And um, it's been really awesome to watch him spreading his wings in the short, you know, three weeks he's been there. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. And is he going to college there in New England or where, where did, did he go he's, off school? Yeah, he's here in New England and he's a little over an hour away. So, um, and he's an athlete, so I'm excited to be able to watch his sports competitions. He's a lacrosse player. So we'll be able to get to his games in the spring because it's a local ish school. Uh -huh. And, um, and so that's, that's a really good feeling. Great. And then your daughter's in high school. She's a junior in high school and she dances competitively and she's just starting to look at colleges. So, um, so yeah, it's been a wild ride with both of them and I wouldn't change a minute of it. It's just been so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that, uh, yeah, I've got, uh, three, three grown sons. My, my baby will be turning 30 this year and, uh, I've got seven grandkids now and you know, you're in for a treat when that part of life comes around, let me tell you. Uh, but so how did sarcoidosis affect your life with your family? Because all of a sudden mom is sick. I slowed way down and I started asking for help. Um, yeah. and I'm not good at asking for help at all. I'm, you know, super independent, fix it all myself. My dad taught me how to use all the different kinds of tools growing up. So, really? you know, I've, I've been, been handy and self-sufficient, um, you know, super, super happy to have my amazing husband as my life partner um, in, in all the things from parenting to household to, to everything. Um, but I started letting other people do things. Um you know, can somebody else can can vacuum the house today? Just not feeling it. And we we have a dog who has a lot of hair, so vacuuming happens more frequently than once a week around here. Um, and you know, just giving myself more space to make sure I was okay um, because I was tired in the in the beginning when this was flared up and overwhelming. Um, and, and stress certainly exacerbated symptoms. Um, I, I knew how to listen to my body. Um, and that was, that was a very quick learning experience for me. 
and I don't know how I figured it out so quickly, but it was very obvious that, that this wasn't a push through it situation. You know, there are always things we can push through. There are. And I, I, I've heard you or one of your guests describe it as kind of like the beginning of the day, you know, there's a battery and it's going to run out. I think that's how it was described. Yeah, yep. Um, and sometimes that battery has more juice depending on the day. And it's kind of having a sense of, of how charged up that battery is each and every day and deciding what you're going to do with the power you have. And interestingly for me, as all of this was starting, my career was shifting. I had been a solo public relations consultant with a handful of clients I was working with directly and didn't have any employees. It was just me and the the organizations I was working for. And it was kind of organically coming to an end, which was weird in terms of timing. Um, just contracts weren't getting renewed and it was going away. And, and I said, okay, well, I'm about to be battling some, you know, and at that point I wasn't cancer. What What is this going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, but medical right. crisis situation, right? Maybe I just let this go. Maybe I don't fight for this. And uh, about a year prior to that, I had gotten my certification as an addiction and life coach, addiction recovery and life coach, um, something based on my personal battle with alcohol use disorder um, and and having been public about my story to find freedom from alcohol for me and having people reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, that's me too. Can you help me? Right. And I you, realized you all now. I had was my experience right. and I needed some sort of credentialing if I wanted to help anybody, whether paid or not, I didn't feel right. You wanted You wanted to say the right things. Say the right things. And and I knew that it was more than just what my journey had been like. Certainly, my experience helps me a ton because I can relate on so many levels to people who are also going through the same thing. But um, but to truly, you know, be an effective coach, um, I, I highly believe in in credentialing and with reputable organizations um, because there's a lot out there. Anybody can be a coach of anything um, with very little training or money invested. So I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. Um, so I had gotten that credential and had been kind of coaching alongside my PR consulting business and, um, and decided, okay, I'm going to go all in on coaching now since things seem to be. And it was great because I could do it at my own pace. I could build it the way I wanted to. It was a nice fit with having time to manage family responsibilities and make sure I was taking the best care of myself. You know, this was this was in the prednisone days um, where I wasn't sleeping very well and I was eating too much and I just felt like I was popping out of my skin um and I was snapping at family members and I usually pretty nice right right <laughs> usually will do that calm about things <laughs> so yeah. um so I think it was an adjustment period in terms of just my life changing in a lot of ways and me trying to keep the family stuff consistent. I didn't want 
I didn't want my kids to feel like things had to be different in any way, even though I was asking for a little more support from them with Mm -hmm. stuff like, Hey, you know, guys, normally I'd run this load of laundry, but could one of you do it? And it's great because they they know how to do laundry. It's great that they, that they (laughs) recognize that you weren't feeling well, that you weren't just being, you know, quote unquote lazy, um, that, that there was really something going on there with you and they stepped up. So congratulations. You had those kinds of kids. That's, that's really important. And, so, so I, I want to get that. back to to you and sarcoidosis. So you said you walk a hundred miles a month on a good in a good month, right? In a good so, month. I have you, on months and off months, but yeah, right, right. But on the good I, months, it's about a hundred. Yeah, a hundred. So do you try to walk every day, or do you every other day? How do you do that? I try to walk five times a week, whether it's Monday through Friday or an every other day type of, of situation. I, I enjoy walking outdoors more than indoors. So the weather plays a part in that. Um, but I do have a, a block on my schedule. It is actually there. It says mom walk. Um, and the kids can see it too. They know that's in there. <laughs> and it's, you don't, don't um, bug mom during that time. That's, that's it. And it's, yeah, that's it. We've got a great trail system nearby. It runs along um, the Farmington river which is beautiful. And I'm a bird person. I don't know them all, but I love to watch birds, especially herons. So, and for me, that's a huge part of my self-care and what I do for myself from a health perspective. You know, my lungs feel heavier when I'm not working them out. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, that could even be part of what contributed to my not so happy pulmonary function test earlier this year. I hadn't been walking as much as I am used to. And maybe my lungs were just not where, where they're, you know, where they're supposed to be because they hadn't been getting worked out. Right. That pulmonary function test is where you get on the treadmill and they measure all your vital statistics and and they, they make it go harder and harder and harder until you No, stop. that's a stress test, I think. Stress test. The pulmonary okay. function test is a it's just a breathing test. You sit in a chair okay. and there is a tube that comes over and goes in your mouth almost almost simil- similar to a scuba diving regulator. Yep, yep I've you, done that. Yep. Um and there are a few different rounds of things that you need to go through in terms of breathing in quickly and holding it and then blasting it out or breathing in more slowly and then doing a longer exhale. Um, And it, it takes about 20 to 30 minutes. And I, you know, I don't get into the numbers. I just let them tell me if I'm good or if I'm not good. And I, up until April this year, there'd never been any concern with those, those tests for me, which is really remarkable. Um, so, so that's always been, that's always been really reassuring. And then in April with the the one that wasn't as good, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't well, as it good. wasn't as good. Well, not walking could, could definitely make a difference with that. Cause I know with my workouts, if I lay off, I'm not as good as when I'm you know, when I'm, when I'm working out. So, and yeah. and for me, that, that means basically riding a bike um, in the off season, I do lift some weights and that kind of stuff and work out with a trainer, but I do, but pulmonary wise, 
yeah, I, I can see my resting heart rate change and all these other things change when I'm when I'm not working out as much. And that's also for me weather related. So I can I can understand that. Yeah. Well, so what so 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 back to your sarcoidosis, you are now not take so you are in actual remission because remission is when you have no symptoms and you're taking no drugs. And a lot of people are having those symptoms, but that's because they're controlled by drugs. So that's not called remission. You're actually in remission. What are you doing to maintain that? I mean, I know you're eating well, but 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 what do you? I guess my question is, what are you doing to make sure that all of a sudden it doesn't come roaring back? Ah, <sighs> and the list is short, right? What can right. we do to make sure? Because Let's keep an um, eye on it. Just, you know, checking in with myself and, and knowing how I'm, I'm feeling. Um, and I think, I think what's interesting is that you can be in remission, but you can still sometimes feel it. Um, you know, I, I still get fatigued pretty easily. Um, I have not had fevers and joint aches the way I used to get in the the different flares that I would have from time to time. I think certainly if, you know, if I, if I threw a fever, or, you know, suddenly just felt like my bones were popping out of my skin, that would be a sure sign to me that something's not right. In fact, I had COVID for the first time in June. Mm. And uh, at first I thought, you know, am I, am I having a flare? And then quickly realized, no, this is, this is not sarcoidosis related. And uh, so, so are you relieved so, or happy that when you find out it's COVID, it's like, oh no, it's, it's, it's just COVID. It's not sarcoidosis. What was your reaction? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm vaccinated and double boosted. I got my second booster because we thought I was going to be starting methotrexate. My doctor said to me, we're about to destroy your immune system. So yeah, go get that second booster. Um, and so got COVID through both of those, I think from high school graduation, but um, I, there's only some relief in being able to, to put a finger on what it is that's going on, whether it's COVID or the flu or anything diagnosable. I, I feel like at least it, it's a thing and people might know what to do about it. Um, I, you know, I was surprised that I had gone so long without getting it. And, um, and I was very, very lucky that it was a fairly mild case, although I did lose my, my taste and smell. Um, but I got through it really well for somebody who's got something going on mm-hmm. in her lungs. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was very, very relieved and very encouraged by, you know, I, I attribute that to the work of the vaccine um, and the, the boosters. So um, I think... I don't know if I was relieved that it was COVID, but I'm I'm grateful for the extra antibodies now, and you, you know, being able to delay the new booster a little bit longer. There you go. Right. Um, so, but but I, you know, I, I I try to do the best I can with what I put into my body. I also really love sugar, so it's a struggle. Um, <laughs> I've heard you talk about cookies and birthday cake, yes. so I know you know yes. how that feels. Yes. Um. And, you know, hydration is super important. Um, I focus on 100 ounces of water a, a day. I, 100, I guess, is my number. 100 miles a month and 100 ounces of water 
a day. Wow, um, that's a lot. And and getting rest. You know, I used to be a night owl. I could be the person who stayed up late, 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 late getting work done because that was a nice quiet time in the house. And I don't let myself do that anymore. I think I'm really good at creating boundaries mm-hmm. between between work and personal and and just giving myself space. And sometimes I feel lazy. Sometimes I absolutely feel lazy when I'm sitting on the sofa at night watching TV instead of reading a book or returning emails or, you know, something else I could be doing. Um, But I've learned not to beat myself up too hard about it. And uh, so, you know, what can I do to make sure it doesn't come back or get worse or flare? Try to make the best choices I can make for myself every day from a a stress Mm -hmm. and health and nutrition standpoint. But ultimately, our bodies are going to do what they do. And I just hope that mine decides to keep riding this wave because it's been pretty good. Laura, thank you for joining me here on the podcast today. You're welcome, John. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share my story. It was really fun hanging out with you. A zombie just feeding at stumbling. Thanks again to Laura for reaching out and sharing her story. I want to congratulate her for being eight years alcohol free and, of course, for being steadfast in her fight with sarcoidosis. Let's hope it stays in remission and that she is one of the lucky ones for whom sarcoidosis just goes away on its own. A couple of reminders, the official Sark Fighter song called Zombie by Mark Steyer and his band, the White Hot Lizards in Alberta, Canada. You can hear Mark's story because he is a fellow Sark fighter, as I said, uh, and that's the story behind the lyrics, and that's way back in episode 12. He reached out to me and said, John, I just found your podcast. I've written a song about sarcoidosis. Why don't you give it a listen? I did. He came on the podcast and he agreed to let Zombie be the official Sark Fighter song, and I am so appreciative of that. And occasionally I will play the entire song for you at the end of an episode, and I'm feeling like I'll do that at the end of this episode. So if not, if I forget or something happens, life intervenes, I know you can go back to episode 41. It's there. Uh, And those lyrics are uh, so haunting to those of us with sarcoidosis. I release the FSR Sark Fighter podcast every other Monday. As I'm speaking today, my trusty dog, Dougal, is curled up on the chair in my office. Dougal makes my life so much better. Don't forget to follow the Sark Fighter on social media. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, as I mentioned. If you ever ride your Peloton, you can follow me as hashtag Sark Fighter. And my cycling blog, Carlin the Cyclist, has a section called Cycling with Sarcoidosis, where I detail some of the issues I've had with continuing to try to ride my bike through this diagnosis and the medications. If you're new here, you're just trying to figure out what sarcoidosis is, try listening to episode two with Dr. Simon Hart, one of the most listened to episodes, and he just goes over sarcoidosis 101. What is it? How does it affect you? What's it look like in your body? What we do and don't know about the causes and the treatments for sarcoidosis. All of that is right there with Dr. Simon Hart, who joined me all the way from the UK. 
My story is episode one, the backstory to the founding of the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, FSR, is episode 11 with Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is a fellow Sark fighter, and they founded FSR at their kitchen table. Send me an email. It's in the show notes, carlinagency at gmail.com. Follow the Sark fighter on Instagram and Facebook. And please, it helps me reach more people and grow the show if you would just share it on your social media. So grab the link and push it out there on your social media. And if you like it, more than anything, just tell one person, one person here in the sarcoidosis space, say, hey, the FSR Sark Fighter podcast really helps me. Maybe it would help you. Give the show a nice review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, keep fighting. And remember there are friendly 
smiles try hard to smile too And wherever there is sunshine Don't let fear darken you And whatever happens 